This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for The Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good the middle of the night, wherever you are in the world. This is Theo Delaney saying welcome to another Spurs show from North London. Uh, exciting, exciting times. All, we're all just getting our breath back here. I've got three great guests who will bring their wisdom uh, to try and explain yesterday's proceedings in West London, uh, all of whom are seasoned Spurs show guests. Hello again, Dominic Powell. Hi there, guys. How are you? Yes, very good, yeah. After a 96-minute equaliser, that certainly perks you up. It does, it does. Carl Jones, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Theo. Yeah, similar, similar to Dominic, really. It's just sort of uh, still still recovering from yesterday, but I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, brilliant. And Simon Dent, how you doing, mate? Yeah, same. Um, I was very lucky to be there. I think a couple of the guys were there as well. So, yeah, quite... My body's recovering. I'm trying to rehydrate. And <laughs> sort of generally, I feel like I've been around 12 rounds of Mike Tyson, to be honest. Well, 
yeah i mean it was i didn't i wasn't there but i watched it on the tv i watched it with my good friend rob white often a guest on here of course a couple of other people and my god uh it was exhausting enough but to be there i know simon you've been to many many hundreds of it you're one of those people who's been to a hell of a lot of away games this one will stick this one it'll stick out as one of the more memorable won't it very much so i mean probably only for the last minute though if I'm perfectly honest and maybe the first minute which was quite encouraging but I think everything in between was very familiar at Stamford Bridge it was quite a strange sort of day I feel like it was a sort of it was a bad nightmare in what is otherwise a really exciting time at Tottenham it's sort of, it was just a flashback to, to reality and normality so yeah but look you can't beat a last minute equaliser especially at Chelsea and and there were really really encouraging signs and I think you know whether we'll, we'll get into the the sort of game itself but I think yeah, yeah there, there was a bit of sort of well quite a lot of moaning obviously um, about the performance but look a point to point and they're a very good team yeah Dominic were you there or did you watch on the TV no I was there yes in the uh, the shed upper right above the goal um, right and yeah it was it was looking like it might go the way that it had gone over there many times before yeah but uh yeah, it, it turned out it turned out right in the end, at the very end. Yeah, I mean, the strange thing about it was I've been there many times for games where we played really well and been well worth a point, or arguably even you know not not that often, but occasionally we've been we've gone there and been, been the better side and ended up losing. So, and then this time we did predictions last week, like we do on the <laughs> on the pod, uh, and I said I reckon it'd be a draw, but I reckon we'll be we'll be a bit disgruntled because I reckon we'll be the better team. I expected us to be the better team. Form and various things suggested we would be. And yet, the opposite happened. It was a draw, but they were, without doubt, uh, I'm afraid to say, the better team. Carl, does it worry you that we were outplayed for for most of the 90 minutes? Um, I'd say I was probably disappointed. I expected a little bit more from the performance. That said... You know, as, as the guys have already touched on, how many times have we gone to Chelsea, played well, come away with nothing? You know, there's the the, the only thing that's better than absolutely humiliating your rivals like we did to Arsenal in May is coming away with an undeserved result in <laughs> yeah. controversial circumstances. And I've been drinking yeah. those salty tears for most of the day. So yeah. I think that that sort of, for me, I, you know, I would have liked to have seen us turn up. I would have liked to have seen us play them off the park. As it happened, we didn't play particularly well. I think we may be a little bit out thought for certainly the first half and period of the second. And and we, and we hung on in there, which we're beginning to see more and more with Conte Tottenham. And that, for me, I think is the is the big takeaway. I feel like that resilience now, I, I don't feel, even when we were trailing both times, I never felt that we couldn't get something out of it. I still felt like there was still going to be that chance, even though we were outplayed for such long periods. Well, that was the weird thing about it. We didn't play particularly well. They definitely had the lion's share of everything, apart from, if you look at the basic stats, shots on target, tellingly, because if their deficiencies are mostly, they think, anyway, if you speak to their fans, is there's a bit light at the back in terms of personnel. I mean, their players playing out of position. Reese James was playing in the back three, and they'd love to cheek playing at wing-back. Uh, but it didn't seem to affect them. And that Reese James is one hell of a player, isn't he? I mean, he slotted in there no problem at all. I mean, he, he is a, a really good player. As Romero, Romero identified that and targeted him with some of his shithousing. But, I, I mean, the weird thing was, even though we weren't playing well, we are being outplayed. Yeah, you still thought, 
yeah, but I don't know. I think we can get something here. And that is a strange uh, state of affairs. But I'd like to know, you know, we've got a really good team. The manager's been there a while. He's built a good squad. He has, you know, he is regarded as one of the great tactical, you know, uh, great tacticians. One of the top handful of managers in the world, which it should be said so is theirs. Their manager's regarded that way. And yet we were outplayed. So putting the grit and everything aside, which I do agree is a fantastic thing to see. And it, and it, we never doubted that aspect of it, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's, it's all too rare in our in our many years of watching Spurs. But why? And is it a worry? Because, Simon, you know, you go into... They matched us up system-wise, but they found a way to dominate. I mean, I know they're at home, but really... You know, it's a worry that we were a- that they were able to get, get a hold of us like that. What would you put it down to? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think one of the, the telling signs for me at the start was that they played three new signings and we kept three new signings on the bench. And I think that, for me, the whole point with early summer signings is obviously getting better in, get him in the pre-seasons, and then you play him in the first games. And I thought, you know, maybe there's been a few niggles and that sort of thing. But I think that... Well, they kind of that many niggles because they all came on. So, so that was quite surprising in the first place. And then linked to that is that when they all came on, the team got a lot better. So it, I, I found it quite interesting that, I mean, everyone around me was adamant that we should have at least two changes at half time. But then we didn't make two changes and then we scored and then we made changes and got better. So it, it kind of shows you know, what do we know as fans and pundits? I mean, everyone expects us to go there and get a point. Even Chelsea fans were were predicting the worst. So everyone was wrong. But I think with regard to the actual performance, look, I don't buy into this sort of, you know, the, the bogey team thing, really. I think we started well. I mean, the first, I mean, it was literally about three minutes. We were at it. And I thought, hold on a second, this is the new Tottenham that we all signed up for. Um, and then a few things don't go your way. I think that bloody water break after we scored really knackered us because I think for 15 minutes before the equaliser, we were having a real go and then we scored and then we stopped for five minutes and it went quiet and then the game just started. And I thought, well, hold on a second. This is, you know, that's really helped them out. But look, I think, yeah, with regards to performances, a few people weren't at it. Um, well, most people weren't at it, but the great thing we've got now is, is confidence because we've got a strong bench. And I think that, that that belief we all had came from the fact that we knew that we could bring on three world class players. Yeah, so that was a good thing. I, 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 you're right about the drinks break because you know once you've scored, once you've equalised, and you've sapped them of all that, they think, oh, we've play, outplayed them for an hour and we're not even winning. You expect to be the team with the momentum, and it, the opposite happened. And I guess it was the drinks break that snuffed that out because it's the sort of thing mm. when you do get. Uh, the momentum in the game. Sometimes the other team, you know, feigns an injury just to take take the sting out of it, and they didn't need to. They were the because I mean, they, probably, they probably needed a drink to be fair. To them. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very hot. As you you all know better than me, having been there. But I think um, it was. I was disappointed how uh, Chelsea immediately seized the initiative after we'd after we'd equalised and actually could have scored. I mean, they bet. The thing is, we're talking. One thing's for sure, they've had a lot of chances. And I think, they're, as I say, their fans feel like they, they, they're lacking a finisher and they didn't half miss some chances. All of our shots, I think we had five shots and they were all on target. They had about 16 shots and only three or four were on target, which tells you quite a lot, I think. Um, but one of the things that struck me watching on the TV, and I don't know if it was the same 
Dominic, in, in real life, as it mm. were, we looked a bit sluggish. I felt we looked a bit tired right from the off. I mean, and then yeah. you start thinking, well, you know, the heat and all that, but we, we were playing on the same pitch in the same conditions. Certainly. I, um, I think that we weren't offering much. The, um, nobody from midfield was offering to come take the ball from the back four, and we were trying the same thing over and over again. Uh, giving it out to Dyer. Dyer was giving it to Davis. Sessignon wasn't as lively as he had been last week. Uh, and then quite often the ball was going back to uh, back to Dyer again. And then it was either do the same thing we've just done again or try and punt it forward. And, and we weren't we, we weren't looking to make the the runs. Sonny wasn't making the runs that he's made before. Kane did look very very tired. And I've noticed that he often doesn't even for England doesn't play particularly well when it is very very hot. And uh, yeah, it just it seemed as though after the initial three minute, three or four minute uh, spell very early on, once Chelsea had, had got uh, the momentum, we just couldn't wrest it back from them. It's interesting you say that about Kane because suddenly certain things start to make sense. The old legend of Kane never scores in August. That's when it's hot. <laughs> and now, and now we're looking at a World Cup in bloody Qatar. I mean, it, it could be a total non-event out there if that's if that's anything to go by. But I mean, I thought Benton Kerr definitely looked sluggish. Uh, I thought he was particularly disappointed, but I didn't think anyone had a great. I, I tell you, who, who continues to confound us all? I think is uh, Emerson Royale. Mm. Don't you think? He's just, he yeah. just, he, week after week. I mean, I think most of us by two thirds of the way, not so much. I mean, I really, I find him very endearing. There's something about him that is very, very likable. But mm-hmm. I think by halfway through last season, most people had written him off as quite yeah. simply not good enough. And when he got back in the team after Doherty got injured at the end of last season, amazing. We were all expecting him to have the nightmare is coming and he had, he was consistently good and he's in the team there and starting. And I, in that first half where you really needed players to be digging in, really digging in and putting in a shift as some of them did look off the pace. He didn't, I felt, but did you I, think, uh, go on. Yeah. I think that one good thing with him is, is I think he's, he's very confident and if he tries something or, or he goes forward and doesn't beat the man or puts across it and it doesn't work, he doesn't hide and, and yeah. he still wants the ball the next time and, and yeah. he'll either try the same thing or try something else. I think he, do, he, he doesn't, his confidence isn't easily knocked and, he, and yeah. he keeps he keeps going. Yeah. One of the it's things about... Go on. Sorry, I was going to say, there's just such important positions though in the way that Conte wants to play, oh, well, yeah. the way that everyone wants to play. And I think it's, yeah, it, having cover and, you know, your Doherty's and your Sessignons, we, we, we're, we're collecting them, but... I don't think we've collected any world-class players in that Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I, it's it, it's so pivotal. And look, he can. I think he can defend. I, I I just don't think he can cross the ball. Well, that's a bit harsh. I, I don't think it's his strength crossing, and I don't think attacking is his crossing. Whereas that position, it needs to be. I mean, Sessignon obviously was pulled off yesterday. I think there was a he had a chance. I think at the end of the first half where. Well, if he had scored, that'd be two in two games for him, and and that may have really changed. But instead, it didn't quite work out. Um, they, Mendy saved it, and then he was taken off. So it's, yeah, I think they are the positions we need to strengthen, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you'd like to think that Perisic would be at his best if he's going to get to his best. Would be close to, you know, top top level in, in that position. I noticed yesterday how right-footed he was, and he's been absolutely only spoken of as a left-footed uh, wing back. But it shows that he could play on either side. Lucas Moura, of course, came on. And like, like you said, Simon, uh, Royal's not great 
in the attacking third. And so he, he brought on a guy who's better in the attacking third, but obviously slightly less of a, a, a proficient and uh, experienced defender. One thing that I loved at the end when we did equalise... You look at uh, Richarlison and Basuma, the way they celebrated it, as if they'd been there all their lives. It was as if it was their their club that they'd been born into. It was incredible, wasn't it? I mean, that sort of spirit is, I think, you know, they say when you buy players, you've got to, you, you, obviously, you've got to look at how they play and what their technical ability is and all of the football stuff, but you've got to look into their personalities. It's almost as if Conti wants that kind of person personality in the group. I mean, Basuma was the one doing the cheerleading at the end, wasn't he, Carl? Yeah, Didn't he, he, he really, he kept, he'd taken his shirt off to throw it into the crowd and he yeah. was really, he was doing that thing that Klopp does, winding up the yeah. crowd for a cheer and did three big cheers. Yeah. Which, and you, I thought, blimey, he's only, he's only played 20 minutes for yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Also, I must say, I thought he looked outstanding when he came on. Mm. I mean, I, I, I don't know, I was... Not that surprised that he didn't change it yesterday because they'd been so good the other week. And there's always that thing that that managers do about, you know, not dropping players. When you've had a massive result, you think it's almost unfair. But I do wonder if Basuma... Well, I think those three, you know, Basuma, Hoybier and, um, and Bentoncourt are all good. And if they rotate, that's fine. And Skip may well enter into that. I think uh, just on that word dropping, I think we've just got to change that as a club yeah. now. I think it's it's all about rotation, isn't it? And I think just going back to Perisic, you mentioned about his feet. Like we finally found a corner taker after ten years. Yeah, I mean, goodness, that that corner for the winning goal, he took it with his weight. He took it with his left foot, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I noticed that that he was taking free kicks yeah. with the, and corners, depending on which side. Sometimes yeah. with his left, and sometimes. Yeah. The Lamella and Ericsson days of corners. Like, I <laughs> feel like he should play just because he can get a ball into the box. Yeah, actually, before he came on, it was Son, and Son's not yeah. as good, that's for sure, at that thing. He's good at lots of things. Mind you, Son hasn't got going yet, has he? He's, he looks a bit like he's another one who doesn't fancy August. I keep thinking of that, them throwing up on the pitch and thinking, has he overdone it there with the old yeah. making a meal? Maybe they're knackered already. I would be. But. Um, I think overall, I think the, the the really big positive take, of course, is the is the uh, the grit, the determination, the stickability, all of that stuff. And of course, we don't have to play teams like Chelsea every week. If we can get a point away at Chelsea, Man City, and Liverpool, and give them a right good go at home, we'll be fine. But you know, in theory, we'll be right up there, no question about it. What did you make of the uh, managerial spat, Carl? Uh, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I enjoyed it. I, uh, I think, I think it's great to see. I think you want to sort of see that little bit of uh, bit of bite. I, I think Conti's put on his Instagram today of saying he didn't see Tuchel run past him and said he'd have put his leg out to trip him up. I mean, it seems to be a little bit sort of banter between the two of them. Obviously, there's quite a bit of competition there. But you know, Conti is used to winning, as he as he says, and it was a pretty humbling experience. I think those three games against Chelsea at the beginning of uh, beginning of this year and he didn't like that and and you know those tensions were kind of building up and and you know that's what you want to see uh, that that fight that grit that determination you know how how long have Tottenham been seen as pushovers um we we, we basically we we out shit house Chelsea you know and they yeah. are the team that do that and have done that to us so many times and and yeah I, I've 
I really, I really sort of enjoyed that. I mean, Tuchel is a hypocrite because obviously I think his issue at the end was that he wasn't looking him in the eyes and there's a picture kind of surface that he did exactly the same thing to Sean Dyche, yeah. uh, you know, not not too long ago. So yeah. I think it's like Formula One where you get the fastest lap. There should be like a UFC round between the managers at the press conference. and yeah. we, we would pick up points all over the place. Yeah, yeah. You got you got to say that uh, Tuchel was very lucky. Sure, he didn't get into a spat with Sean Dyche because it's Sean Dyche, <laughs> crikey, is only one winner there. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously Conti is sophisticated in many ways. You know, he's an urbane kind of uh, well dressed sort of uh, very very uh, yeah sophisticated coach. And at the same time, he's an absolute scrapper. He's an almost an animal. And he, he, he keeps doing that thing. I think he said it again yesterday. In Although he, he put the proviso in this time. But you know that speech where he says, in the game, you have to kill your opponent or <laughs> your opponent will kill you. This time he said it and then he said, in a sporting way, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how he sees it. It's, he's got, you've got to kill or be killed. And that, yeah. that that seems to be manifested in, in in what the team does, but also even in in, in himself. I mean, all, all great organisations, the leader, the, the the personality of the leader, or not all great organisations, all organisations, good and bad. The leader's personality will often permeate, you know, the ranks, won't it? And it, and that's what seems. I mean, I think of someone like New, dear old Nuno. This time last year, we've got our heads. Well, we haven't yet got our heads in our hands this time last year because we're we're winning the first three games. But you look at him. He he looked. I mean, he seemed like a good coach. As evidence to suggest, he knew what he was doing, tactics wise and everything. He'd had a very very successful time at Wolves. But he had zero, he had none of that about him whatsoever, did he? He had no presence on the touchline. He didn't, didn't, didn't exude any kind of psychotic, ruthless desire to win at all costs. Which... I've read, I've, well, I've read, I read earlier, Theo, that there's actually, you know, the, the games where we've picked up points seem to be also games where Conti has got into the opposing managers head a little bit with Arteta it, it happened with Guardiola Klopp uh you know was was pretty um you, you know uh, whatever the opposite of magnanimous is anyway again when, right. when we yeah. when we got that point against them yeah. so so I do I do think that you know it's maybe come on a little bit since the old Fergie Keegan days of mind games but it but it's almost a slightly more sophisticated approach I do think that Conte is is doing the business for us off the pitch in terms of getting into getting into opposing managers heads and let's face it in that first half I, I think that actually the Loftus-Cheek kind of right wing back, he was kind of the player that seemed to be coming into the midfield and helping them over runners at periods. And Bentoncourt and Hoybier, particularly by the end, they looked like they were on their last legs. And if you if you see how they're dragged out of position when um, you, for, for the for the James goal, for, for the Chelsea second goal, um, you know, that's that. I, I just think that um, Conte is, he's, even when he's out thought and out thought a little bit, he's still finding um, that that extra bit. And I felt like at half time they were going to go in and get get you know the right act read to them, and they were going to yeah. come out better, and they did. Yeah, That's a thing, line, the isn't other it? thing with sorry with Conte is that he, sometimes he looks like he's he looks like a wild animal on the on the touchline going crazy, but it's as though on the outside he's like that, but on the inside his brain is still very calm, very analytical, and he makes the right changes at the right time. And, and he's got the perfect mixture of both. That's exactly the point I was about to make, though, about if the playing the players can do the same. Because I think we go back to the Battle of the Bridge and, my God, we really screwed that night up, didn't we? And I think I, there were moments yesterday where 
it could, I mean, it was on such a sort of fine line, whether it was the Romero hair pull or, you know, Kudachewski could have gone at one stage. There were a couple of loose Benton curves. There was just a lot happening where we got the rub of the green without doubt. And I, yeah. if they'd gone the other way, it would have been an, an another quite embarrassing meltdown. So it's about, I suppose, yeah, Conte teaching the players to sort of just really navigate that fine line of the shithousery and the the aggression, but not getting sent off, basically. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about uh, wider, more general issues. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. So before we continue, uh, I should tell you that for premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews and original documentary series, uh, on Spurs, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Our monthly London live show returns next month. Uh, you can sign up and join us at season.spursshow.net. That gets you a season ticket, gets two people in uh, each show. Uh, I can't remember how much it is, but it's like it's very little. It's like a tenner a month, maybe a bit more. I can't remember exactly, but it's it's a negligible amount. And those evenings are great. It's just that, you know, it's quite intimate and we have great guests coming up as well. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Please leave a nice review on iTunes with five stars. That really, really helps. Uh, there's merchandise available, by the way. Brand new Celebrity Spurs T-shirts. There's Human Son. There's Antonio Conti design. There's the old Woolwich Wanderers classic design that people very much like and much, much more. Check it out. You'll find uh, uh, details in the show notes of this show. Uh, gentlemen, I think what, what we are all agreed on is that football-wise, they were better than us on the day. Grit and determination-wise, we actually beat them because, you know, if, if they'd have matched us for that, they'd have won the game. So we came through and through a combination of shithousery and stickability uh, and, and no little skill. I mean, I thought Harry Kane's header was great. I thought Hoybier's shot was great for his goal. But having, it was slightly unexpected, I think. As I thought we were going to go there and have a football game with them and maybe prevail on that basis. We prevailed on a different basis. Having seen that, Simon, you've seen all these away games over all these years. We've all been watching this this club for decades. Are your feeling? I don't know how optimistic you were generally about this season before that game, but how are, are your are your feelings about the season affected either way by that performance? Um, not really, because I think that they're still a top four club. They won Champions League a year and a half ago. They've got some great players. It's a ground we never do well at. We rarely go there early in the season, so I think that it's. It was a massive test. And I think that what the bench showed is that I think our bench was a lot stronger than theirs, which I, I don't remember in recent history when that's been the case. I think all our changes were positive and affected the game in a positive way. I don't think theirs did necessarily. So, yeah, I think that the, the big question for me is um, how tied 
Conte is to that starting eleven that that finished at Norwich and finished at Southampton and started yesterday. Um, I'd like to see him mix it up. I think we've got the next couple of games are on paper a lot easier. Um, yeah. And I'd love to see a couple of changes in, in the team. And yeah, I think look, I, I went into the season hoping for top four and expecting silverware. Um, that hasn't changed at all, to be honest. What about you, Dominic? No, I think uh, I, I try to be uh, cautiously optimistic anyway. And I, I think there was a lot of talk that, that because a few pundits um, tipped us to be finishing third, it, it seemed that some people were getting carried away with thinking that suddenly we were challenging City and Liverpool when, when I was still realistically thinking that actually the teams around us that we're fighting against are, are the teams, however they're doing right at the moment, but Arsenal and Man United and West Ham and whoever else is going for the top four places and that realistically we weren't going to be challenging for the title. Although it's it's always nice to get overexcited before the start of the season, as we all do every, every year. But I still think that that the season, when you look at the results so far, we've won and drawn games that last season we lost both. We lost to Southampton at home and we lost at Chelsea. So we're four points ahead match on match from last mm. year. Yeah. And there's certainly, I think, points that we're going to need to claw back against the mid-table sides because I can't see we're going to get eight points against Liverpool and Man City this season like we did last season. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, but I'm still, I, I still think we're going in the, in the right direction. There's still rumours flying around, you know, online, and there's there's still three weeks, well, two weeks left of this mm. uh, transfer window. There's still rumours flying around. Do you, can you see us getting anyone else in, Carl? Um, I mean, it would. I think we've had a brilliant transfer window. I think we've easily had an eight, eight and a half out of ten transfer window. I think you you look at the uh, pre-season he's given them, and you bring a player in after that's missed out on all of that. You know, Jed Spence is maybe uh, being being eased in a little bit for 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 joining joining a little bit later. So, I think if there's a you know that kind of magic Van der Vaart kind of last minute deal to be had of a player who's really going to change things. Fantastic, but I mean we've been in plenty of transfer windows where we've hoped and that's never materialised. Um, I, I, I don't, I can't necessarily see. I'd be very surprised if we saw another another big player come in. But I, you know, I, as the guys have already said as well, I'm, I, I remain optimistic. I mean, it's four points that we've picked up uh, from games where we picked up zero last season. We've got with with Wolves coming up. That's another uh, three points that we dropped last season. So um, I, I think we've got. I think we've got enough to 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 be comfortably in the third, fourth uh, place hunt. And uh, I think, you know, Liverpool and City need to have an absolute nightmare to, um, they, they pretty much both need to have a nightmare for us to really be pushing for the league. It's nice to, it's nice to dream, but, um, you know, I'd be very surprised if we were pushing for the title, but picking up, picking up points where we lost them last season, if we just keep doing that in a really consistent way, you, you're going to be in with a chance. Totally. Simon, do you see any obvious areas where we could do with someone new or do you think the, the squad is sufficiently balanced and strong? I think we've got enough. I mean, listen, Benton Kerr and Kuliszewski last Jan were almost bonuses now. I think I feel like we'll be spoiled if we bring in any more, to be honest. We've had an incredible calendar year so far. Um, I think the priority of that sort of department of the club has to be getting the remaining three out. Uh, and that's probably a job in itself. I mean, you're reading what various things online about 
well, you don't need to read online, do you? I, I think Endombelli and Winks are, are probably proving quite hard. And I imagine both will go on loan last day and we'll unfortunately picking up most of tab. So it, I think that's probably the focus of, of, of that function of the club. But I think we've got a really good squad now. And as I said, I think I'm really excited about Richarlison and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how Conte manages Son, Kane, Richarlison and even Mora because I think he, Son hasn't had a good couple of games. Personally, I'd, I'd give Richarlison a start at the weekend, but that that is that's not a slate on Son. That is just the reality of a, a club challenging on all fronts. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long time since Son didn't start a game, I and mean, people forget now that it took him quite a long time to settle in, didn't it? His first season, season and a half, really two seasons, he wasn't he was wasn't a regular starter at all. And I think it was the end of his. I don't know if it was his first or second season where he, he actually wanted to go. He said, I, I want to go because I don't think I've succeeded here and I'm not getting anywhere. And then and then he, um, I mean, he was being, he was, I mean, Lamella was being preferred to him for quite a long time, for example, which seems absolutely bizarre now, doesn't it? I mean, my God. Uh, but well, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is that is that controversial? No, well, no, I think I th- I, it's funny. You know, you look at the performances and you think, yeah, I mean, just purely on merit. Take away all the names, which is what you need. You take away all the names and all the CVs and all the reputations, and you think, yeah, looking at the playing personnel, yeah, I mean, it, it'd be perfectly fair enough to start Richarlison, especially as uh, in a game like. I mean, we'll talk about the next game in a separate in a separate podcast, which will come out later in the week. But I think generally speaking, I think that uh, Son is, um, yeah, I, I don't think it would be a controversial, apart from the fact that he is a world-famous superstar, <laughs> which he, he is, isn't he? He's the most famous man in, in most fam- best footballer Asia's ever produced and the most famous man in Korea and all that. And a fabulous player, of course, when he's firing on all six. The funny thing about Son, though, he can have a he can have a bad sixty minutes in a game and then score two and make one at the end, can't he? But this is the... not another thing. We've got to change this mindset. You know, Grealish isn't starting for City. And yeah, he comes on and does a job. Like we just got to, and the players need to understand that it's not a slant on them. It's just it's how it's going to be. And I think yeah. as well the the five substitution rule this season makes a makes a big uh, difference to that because because if you if you do get a couple of injuries during the game and have to force uh, changes that doesn't rule out that doesn't mean that the, the star player who's perhaps been rested for that game is thinking right oh, that, that's really leaving me with a slim opportunity to get on when you've got the five changes you, you can you can have a couple of forced changes and still make some other changes during the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you got Son on the bench. You'd be bring it, bring him on with twenty minutes to go. It'd be an absolutely petrifying prospect for the opposition. But I think I think after yesterday, you could you could say the same about Richardson as well, though, because that felt yeah. like a plan B. That felt like actually we could we could have two up front and yeah. and really kind of. I, I mean, you know, to, to our detriment, then we were almost four two four at the actual uh, when we conceded the second goal, and I think yeah. that Sonny was about to go, and and he he was caught quite out of position but I also think Hoybier was dragged way too far across as well you know so that but, but Richarlison come in Richarlison was involved in winning the free kick where, where James takes Kane down you know yeah. Richarlison at, at, at that point we've resorted to obviously just giving it a little bit of a lump there was there was something of Ajax in the final minutes about it actually and Richarlison yeah. kind of gets involved keeps it alive gets it out wide we win the foul and obviously you know that yeah. was uh, that- you know he played a big part in that. 
Absolutely. That was the start of the first and only really sustained spell of pressure we had on their goal. And of course, end, end, we end up scoring. It's quite such a funny old... It was a crazy game because, you know, as we keep saying, sophisticated coaches, multi-multi-million pound squads, you know, state-of-the-art football. And yet you look at some of the things that happened. I mean, after we scored, like we've already said, the drinks break happened. You know, it all goes a bit mad. They score. They, they've got a free man, completely spare man on the right-hand side. That business of Loftus-Cheek, you know, I said earlier he started a wing-back. But, of course, what they were actually doing is they were sort of transitioning between a four and a five and a, or a three and a four, whatever you want to call it, because Loftus-Cheek was coming in. It was almost like they cheated a bit because they had him playing. He was a midfielder, very often playing in midfield, wasn't he? But then you look at things like their goal. I mean, their first goal, Koulibaly. He had a cigar while he was waiting for the ball to drop out of the sky. You see, what's going on? At any level, you'd be screaming at the, you know, the manager. We go, for oh, Christ's sake, he's had a half an hour to, to shape himself for that shot. And then you look at our goal at the end. Kane, it's, it's the most simple goal at any level in the world. I mean, brilliant header, great corner. But still, nevertheless, you've been done at a corner from a header. I mean... It's yeah, I so... think that the thing with Koulibaly was that because he had three shots in the first half, he had one uh, one either side of the goal that he scored, the, the volley. He had one from outside the box where we left him unmarked. And that might have been a, a, um, a consequence of the fact that it was his debut and no one really knew much about him. So perhaps teams won't allow him that sort of space around the box. And we maybe thought, well, he's just a big centre-back. He's, he's unlikely to volley one into the top corner. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe in subsequent weeks... Uh, other coaches will have maybe found that out about him. Yeah, I mean, one of the pundits, I can't remember which one it was, was going absolutely crazy about the zone. I mean, most top teams now do zonal marking. When mm. it first came along, all the English pundits would go, this is a load of nonsense. You've got to have one man each, then you know what you've got to do. Everyone knows their job. But now, slowly, everyone does zonal marking. But sometimes they pick out, and you look at, you know, the way Chelsea were set up for those corners... There's a whole load of Tottenham players in various sections of the six-yard box, and there's no Chelsea players there. And then, and also, you know, and also there was nobody on the on the posts. Yeah, which is, which is a Again, bit frustrating. The oldest of old chestnuts. Yeah, no one on the post for our goal either. Yeah, I mean, you know, and people say just put someone on the post; they don't score it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that stuff I find hilarious and in- interesting because they're all the sophisticated coaches, they ditch that stuff. And then you find after all the sophistication, all the analytical stuff, it's the, the same old things. It's bloody hilarious, really. But it just shows you need a bit of everything, don't you, to, to prevail and to win. Um, as I said, gentlemen, we will return later in the week, if that's all right with you guys, uh, for a full preview of the Wolverhampton Wanderers game. But I think for now... Uh, because we, I mean, I'm exhausted all over again talking about it now from ha- having lived through it. But I think we're all we're all very pleased with that last minute equaliser and that last and that gr- creditable point at Stamford Bridge. So we'll park it there. Uh, Simon and Dominic and Carl, thank you all so very much, and I'll see you later in the week for this Wolves game. Theo Delaney signing off, saying, "Come on, you Spurs." If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show. Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.